But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi C. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time learning Torah, talking Torah, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at Let's Talk Torah at gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. So, this week's Torah portion starts out when a person will go out, not when a person, when the Jewish people got to war against your enemy. Um, there's actually laws about capturing the women they would send out. But the first verse says that God will give the enemy in your hand. Now, that's a pretty nice promise, right? When you're going to go out to war, God will make sure you win. Uh, Many explain that this is not referring to a physical war, but really a, a spiritual war, right? The war against your evil inclination that you're going to go to war against evil inclination. It's going to be a battle. But God says you could win. How? How are you going to make sure you win? I mean, you're going to have to go fight, right? You have to fight against uh, what's influencing you, what's, uh, what's convincing you to do something wrong, that, that evil inclination. So how do you win? So interesting, there is a special paragraph um, that we add to the prayers for the whole month of El through the high holidays, all the way to the end of Sukkot. And the paragraph starts, L'David Hashem Ori. It's a, it's a piece of poetry. It's in Psalms that King David said. And in there, there's a very famous verse that King David says, Achash Alti, I have one request of God. And his request, actually, it seems to be more than one, but King David's request was to sit and be able to study Torah. However, um, you could read a little bit different. And you could read it to say is, Achas Sha'alti. I ask to do one thing. With the high holidays coming up soon, we can't correct everything. No one's expected to fix everything. But we are expected to change something, to make a change. Achas, just do one thing. Again, we can't do everything. Do one thing. It reminds me, um, my father would always say at a family when there was a bar mitzvah, a child turning 13, and there'd be a party, and my father would get up to speak, and he always said the same thing. Okay, he, he you know, had different window dressing, but the gist was always the same, and he would say over from his rabbi that a person has to choose his thing. Find that one command, that one mitzvah that you can make yours, that you can do to the fullest extent, to the fullest of your ability, make it yours, and that's life-changing. So Rev, Rev. Gutman tells a story of a taxi driver who picks him up, and the taxi driver says to this rabbi, he says, what's Judaism? Now, it was a Hebrew conversation, so we're going to have to change some of the words here. And, okay, so the rabbi's getting ready to get, get into the whole thing, spirituality and serving God and what does God want from you and the, and the Jewish people accepted his Torah. But before he even got into his spiel, so to say, 
The taxi driver obviously wanted to answer the question himself. It was a rhetorical question. And the taxi driver says, it's yadus. Now, yadus is a Hebrew word which means to be Jewish. It means Judaism. But it's a play on the word. So he says, the taxi driver says, it's yadus. Now, if you spell yadus backwards, it actually says the word toda, which means thanks, and then the yud is representative of God, meaning thank you, Hashem. Get in the habit of always thanking Hashem, always thanking God, and that is Judaism. If you can always, every, every time something happens, when you learn the ability to always be able to say, thank you, Hashem, thank you, God, and recognize you're thanking God for what he did for you on, from the smallest to the largest, right? That is Judaism. That's what the taxi driver said. And with that in mind, I would like to thank my wonderful listeners. Um, we've been talking for the last few weeks. I know um, we're working on some of the posting. There, there were some issues with the webpage. Um, but we are getting... Thank you, Hashem. Uh, thank you, God. People are hitting that donate button, which is tremendously appreciated. Um, I did not receive um, yet from uh, Alan um, if any of those people had any shout-outs or any names were written. I just, for some reason, I just get the email that says that there were donations made, but I don't have the details. Alan's not here, so I, I don't have that information. But as soon as I get that information, I will uh, personally shout-out, thank um, in memory of whatever anybody wants to give for a donation, it is greatly appreciated. It allows the show to keep going. So again, um, as we ask, this is our, uh, our, our push for help um, to get the show to spread, to continue this amazing uh, podcast that we, that's created here. Uh, please go to my homepage, hit the donate button, um, leave a name, I'll give you a shout-out. Happy birthday. And as always, in advance, I thank you. And now, even in uh, for those who have donated, and there are donations going up, it is greatly appreciated, and I thank you. Okay. Let's get into this week's Torah portion. So the verse says, there's a lot of war involved in this Torah portion. It happens to be this Torah portion is packed, full, full of commands, um, one of the most, as you want to count numbers for how many commandments, how many mitzvahs are in this Torah portion, this Torah portion wins, hands down. There's a lot. And as I tell my class, you can't go through all of them. If we pick one or two and we talk about it, we'll get somewhere. So the verse says, When a man will take a new wife, Naki he will be free, innocent, clean to his house for one year. He'll make his wife happy. So the verse is referring to when the Jewish people go to war. Now, it's a voluntary war. There's different types of wars. Certain wars is an obligation. Everybody goes. That, that there's no backing out. If it's a required war, everybody goes. But if it's a voluntary war, for whatever reason, whatever qualifies voluntary, you need extra land, you need to uh, make sure there's more peace, whatever whatever the reason is that it qualifies a voluntary war, 
So when the draft board comes by and says, Jacobson, uh, we're here for the draft, so if I've been married within the year, that's, I'm off. I don't have to go. That's the basic gist of the verse. But of course, this is a verse that we use to, to teach um, newlyweds, newly married couples, certain responsibilities husband has to wife to recognize that the first year, the year that the, the couple, the young couple is building their foundation, that certain things have to be different. As you can't be traveling all over the place on business, you can't uh, be doing your tourist study out of the house, you know, 24 hours a day. You got to be home. There must be time spent at home, quality time spent at home. This is what new couples need. So now, that's the gist of it. But now here's something very fascinating. So Rashi says it means that the husband should make his wife happy. As even though if you read the verse, it sounds like he should be happy with his wife. Rashi says that is not the meaning of the verse. The verse means he should make his wife happy. However, the Targum Yonison says that the way we understand that he should be happy with his wife. Now, the Targum Yonison predates Rashi. Rashi lived uh, in the, the 10 hundreds, and uh, the Targum Yonison probably lived a good 500 years before that. So he's almost like coming from the Gemara. Rashi is not arguing with somebody from the Gemara how to, how to understand this verse, not doing that. So what do you do? You have the Targum Yonison translating the Pasuk, saying, be happy with his wife. Rashi says it means he should make his wife happy. So is it a contradiction? So I saw it doesn't have to be a contradiction. First, your job is make your wife happy. After you make your wife happy, this is a good lesson, right, for the men, right? Um, maybe for the women, but the women understand this probably automatically. But for the men, this is a good lesson. First, make your wife happy. After you make your wife happy, then you could be happy with your wife. It happens many times. Um, certainly with my background, where we're coming from the way, we've talked about it in way earlier shows, but the concept of what they call a shidduch, where there's the parents, you have the boys' side and the girls' side, and everybody does their research, and they'll find out, yes, this girl, she has such good attributes and such good traits and she's so friendly and so happy and so caring and such a good cook and all the long list of uh, when they do the research and then they get married and sometimes the husband can say you know this is this does not seem to be the girl that was on the resume right doesn't seem she doesn't seem to take care of me they said she was so caring I don't see her caring for me all day She's such a good cook, I don't see her slaving away in the kitchen all day long. She's so kind, uh, I don't know if I find that she's so kind all day. So to such a person we say, you fool, you selfish uh, person. As soon as you, the husband, you didn't marry a slave, right? The, the marriage wasn't so you have a slave to take care of all your needs and whims. Right? The idea was marriage. 
as soon as you show that you can make your wife happy, as soon as you do your part, that you make her happy, she will be more than happy to do all the good she can for you. But she has to see that you care about her. A wife desperately needs to feel that the husband is caring for her. As, as once the wife sees, feels that the husband cares for her by whatever it, that means, right? Most of us can figure it out. Kind word. Thank you very much. Delicious supper. I see you work so hard to keep the house clean. You recognize, you appreciate, you compliment such good food, such good soup. I don't know how you had time to make this. I don't know when you did this. You did it for me. So appreciated. I'm happy with peanut butter and jelly. This is really so beautiful. And you managed to keep the house clean. And you managed to do my shirts and the laundry. And you also have a job. You're just amazing. You're amazing. Right? So what do you think is going to happen? You make your wife happy, and then you'll be happy together. It's, it's just simple, easy, but, you know, sometimes the simplest things, the most easy things, if that's an English sentence, but the, the, the things that should be the most readily understood are so easily forgotten, and instead we sit there and we say, come on, my slave is not doing what, what's expected of her. Right? So... So we have to, we need Rashi and we need Targum Yoinison. Of course, at the end of the day, Targum Yoinison is right that you'll be happy with your wife. The husband and wife will be happy together. But Rashi says, but don't be a fool. It's not happening automatic. It's not a given. The husband has to do his part and then everything follows. So there's a story, a very interesting story. Um, the great Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky who lived in the 1900s, so it feels so funny saying that, but he probably passed away about 40 years ago. I think, uh, I think about 40 years ago. But I remembered him. I, I, I'd been in his house, great, Rabbi Kamenetsky. So he was at a wedding with his wife, and he needed a ride. It was pretty common in those days that great rabbis, I mean, these rabbis were in their 70s and their 80s, um, and lots of people wanted the honor of giving them a ride home. I myself, not to Rabbi Kamenetsky, but to a different great rabbi, um, we were visiting um, relatives or friends in New Jersey, and my wife heard that the great rabbi needed a ride home. She immediately said, we're in. We'll take them home. And that conversation, to this day, there were questions we asked them in the car ride home, and we remembered a conversation. It was a, a special Privilege. So, in any case, Rabbi Kamenetsky um, sent out a message. He needed, you know, he needed a ride. So somebody volunteered. Oh, okay. Do you mind if I see the car? Yeah, you want to see the car? Like, yeah, sure. Goes out to the car. Do you mind if I sit in the back seat for for a minute? Rabbi Kamenetsky sits in the back seat, and then he gets out and he says, "We would love to take a ride home with you." Now, whoa! Like, what's going on? Like, what? Why? So Kamenetsky explained, I needed to make sure that the car would be comfortable for my wife. For me, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. But I know she has certain comforts. I wanted to make sure she would be comfortable, right? When we think about our wife, when we are constantly, consistently trying to make them happy, you can be sure um, the payback will be a hundredfold, if not more. Okay. So it is interesting, we're talking about war, 
It's a lot of war in this Torah portion, as I told you. The Torah portion actually starts out, um, and that was part of our introduction, um, when a when the Jewish people got to war, and uh, we said it's referring to even evil inclination, but obviously the literal translation of the verse means who got to war. And over there, what happens is it talks about, I explained to my class a little bit, right? And those who weren't fighting with planes and boats and missiles and and uh, rocket launchers, right? It was it was two armies with swords and spears and maybe bow and arrows and uh, maybe chariots, right? It was a different kind of uh, war in those days. And they actually, one of the things they used to do was uh, they would send out on the side very pretty ladies, probably not dressed very nicely, or maybe some people think that's exactly how they want them dressed. But in any case... Um, obviously, the purpose of those women was not to fight. Right? Nowadays, they have women fight. That is not a Torah thought that women should actually be part of the battle. Women do not fight. They could be in charge of supplies. They can um, help if people need to be bandaged. But they are not doing fighting. That is not a Torah thought. And anyways, and the Torah talks that if you capture one of those women... Um, you win the battle, you capture those women, you take them home, you actually have the, you, it, there's something there that is not normally a Jewish thought. In other words, the Jewish religion is not a religion that forces conversion. I don't want to say nowadays, but certainly go back to the Middle Ages and pre that. Um, the Muslims was a, was a religion that did force conversions. Um, the Christians did force conversions. That was part of the religion. Otherwise, where are you going to get all the followers from? Now, the Jewish people, that's the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So the family gets bigger. So it is the religion, fine. But but for Christians, for Muslims, it was originally a forced conversion religion. That is how it worked. So in general, the Jewish religion does not force conversion. We don't do that. Um, except for one case. And that's right here in this Torah portion. If you capture this lady in war and you want to marry her, so she has to be Jewish. In this specific example, she's called the Ifas by the way. Um, she has no option. We actually force her to become Jewish. Okay, so we have the beginning of the Torah portion talking about war. The end of the Torah portion also talks about war. What is it? Um, Amalek um, starts up again with the Jewish people. Amalek is the children of Esav. And uh, that group um, fought with the Jewish people in the desert. And God commands us to destroy them. We didn't destroy them then. That's the same ones that King Saul went to fight. The same ones that uh, King David sent uh, one of his generals to go fight. That's the same one from Haman, from the Purim story with Mordechai and Esther. That's Amalek. So the beginning of the Torah portion talks about war, and the end of the Torah portion talks about war. Now, Amalek, um, and you do this a lot with Hebrew words, is made up of two words, or could be made up of two words. It's Amlok, right? The word luck is from the word licking, right? They lick away our blood, right? In other words, Amalek's goal is to instill in the Jewish people despair. We have no one to turn to. We have no one to take care of us. That God's not going to help us, right? So now, happens to be, right, we said 
that the war in the beginning of the Torah portion, um, many like to explain is referring to actually fighting our evil inclination. Right? In other words, when it comes to fighting the evil inclination, that's exactly what he wants. He wants us to think, yeah, you got no shot. Who do you think you are? You're not such a good person anyways. You think God really cares about you. I'm like the same thing. You think God cares about you. You think God's going to take care of you. You think God's going to help you. Right? We always need to remember that inside every Jew is that inner spark, that inner connection to God. We have to remember that God loves us. And we need to make God proud of us. Right? When a child loves a parent, so what does the child want to do? The child will do anything that the parents are proud of him, right? If that means not listening to your friends, right? You don't listen to your friends. I know if parents can create an atmosphere, a love in their home, a feeling and a desire that the children should want to make their parents proud, then the parents will do what then the children will do whatever the parents want and we need to do the same thing we have to feel that that love that spark that connection to god and when we know when we feel and we got to work on it right that god truly loves us and god cares for us then we will do whatever it takes to make god proud of us even if it means not listening to those who tell us including the evil inclination including others to not listen to god so therefore, if you want to tie up this Torah portion in a bow, the war, the, the fighting that this Torah portion should be a lesson for us is that there's a war, and that war is the evil inclination, or outsiders who prefer we don't listen to God, and we need to, to get that fire burning inside of us that we want to serve God, that we're proud and privileged to serve God, and, and in that case, we're going to win. And that's the beginning of the Torah portion where, where God says, you're going to go to war, you're going to win because you're going to recognize that, that God cares about you. Okay. Um, I see I have a little bit of extra time. So let's get into another one of the interesting commands in this Torah portion. And that is... And that is um, when you're walking down, I would say the street, that's probably not a good example, but let's say you're in the forest, you're in a field somewhere, and you see a bird's nest. And we'll assume it's a kosher bird's nest. So the Torah says, you send away the mother bird, and you take the eggs for yourself. And you can't take the eggs to eat them if the mother bird is there. You have to send away the mother bird. Now, it clearly sounds like we're trying to be nice to the mother bird. Why should the mother bird suffer seeing her eggs being taken away? You send away the mother bird. Now, this is only a command um, on an ownerless bird's nest. In other words, a farmer with chickens is not sending away his chickens when he's taking away the eggs. It's not happening, right? That's not how we do things. So there happens to be an interesting argument. You have Maimonides, who he understands this command that we show kindness and consideration even to animals. In other words, even animals have some level of feeling and care. And therefore, Maimonides says that if this is how the Torah tells me to treat animals who have some level of feeling and I have to be kind to them, 
how much more so do I have to have feelings towards people? That's how Maimonides, that's how Maimonides understands this verse. Ay, the music is playing, but quickly, the Ramban says that there's no such thing. All commands are for us only. Otherwise, how would be allowed to eat an animal? But the fact of the matter is, we still need to learn to not be cruel, but I can't be cruel. So the music is playing, and I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all wonderful sponsor listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to my production team. We have David in the back. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRN Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.